Have you ever witnessed a child begging to go on a ride they were too young for at the amusement park? Or denied a frozen treat when the ice cream truck makes its rounds? Or maybe it's your own child, grandchild, niece, or nephew making desperate pleas for that new toy or access to an app for the smartphone. And no matter what was said to justify the denial of getting that ride, receiving a treat, rewarded by a toy or game for the phone, it only made the reaction worse. And that's when we experience the temper tantrum. We're going to talk about how big kids, meaning you and I, produce the same reaction and how that relates to managing your money today on Finn Wisdom. Hello and welcome back to a new season of Finn Wisdom. I'm your host Joel and thanks for joining me in today's episode entitled Temper Tantrums. It's not a pretty scene I described in the intro, is it? Just picturing that emotional outburst in a child which could lead to further escalation, regardless of the sound reasoning for saying no, is cringeworthy. But I am so glad we outgrow that phase of our lives as we become adults. Or do we? Have you ever been shopping for a new coat online or in a store and fallen in love with the way something might look on you or how well it complemented your taste? And even better, it was on sale, only to find it's out of stock in your size. Was there a tinge of frustration because you were really sold on it? Did you just say to yourself, oh well, that's that? Or did you try to convince yourself a different style or size would substitute? Or perhaps you even embarked on a journey to find the same garment elsewhere online or in stores regardless at this point if you find the same item on sale. I'm betting this scenario is not limited to clothing either. This experience could easily have happened when discovering a new electronic gizmo, car, cookware, or any number of items that bring a sense of joy into your world. And this behavior isn't limited to tangible items. Maybe you're someone who likes games. Have you ever been addicted to a game on your smartphone that had multiple levels to complete? And was there ever a level that you just seemed stuck? But Every time you tried, you were so close that you kept on playing, convincing yourself that you will make it to the next level this time, and stubbornly continue playing the game, despite other more pressing activities you needed to get done. Or what about work? Have you ever been really excited to share your ideas, concepts, or strategy to your coworkers or boss that you think rocks this world, that will drive revenue, efficiency, or effectiveness for your organization? And then, when the time comes, and you share this marvelous thought, what was their response? And if it wasn't the silent treatment, maybe you were given every possible logical reason why your great idea may not be so great. Did you say, okay, let's move on? Or did you try to provide your compelling beliefs to double down on your idea? And what if I take this to the personal level? Now, I could be possibly wrong here, and this may be a wild guess, but I'm kind of making an assumption that you've experienced one or two disagreements with your friends, your lover, or a family member over the course of your relationships. You know, the situations where a decision is involved about an activity, 
a vacation, something for the home, a problem you're facing. Maybe it's my favorite topic, money. And if so, what lengths did you go to to try to convince the other person that you are right and they are wrong? In every scenario I just described, you didn't handle rejection very well, did you? And maybe you didn't visibly carry on like a child and start kicking and screaming in the middle of the room. Although the vision of you stomping your feet and screaming and running around the conference room at work is quite an entertaining thought. But you were, in your mind, throwing your own sort of temper tantrum. And maybe, to exert control over your emotional response, you attempted to justify your feelings with facts that you are convinced defend your reasoning. What I'm driving at is we are imperfect beings and that these emotions we display or keep inside impact also our financial decision making. And there's a field of study around this phenomenon. It's called behavioral economics. We'll go into the description and why this topic is pivotal for you to understand when managing your money after this sponsor break. According to a 2002 Harvard study, 87% of business issues are communication-related caused by behavioral differences. In a different survey of large companies conducted by the Society of Human Resources, millions of dollars are lost annually because of poor communication to and between employees. And according to a Gardner study, 70% of failed customer relationships is due to poor communication. DNA Behavior offers integrated tools that can help improve your organization's ability to communicate, increase its probability of success, and to improve client engagement. Visit dnabehavior.com. That's d-n-a-b-e-h-a-v-i-o-r.com and learn how their proactive approach can take your organization to the next level. Welcome back to today's episode, Temper Tantrums. So before we continue, I have an admission of guilt. I probably should have started the Fin Wisdom podcast series with this episode. Why? Because every episode you hear relates to behavioral economics. It's foundational to all the topics and discussions you will hear from me. So I hope today's conversation will help you gain a broader picture of the influence of your emotions on managing money. But before we can describe behavioral economics, we need to first define neoclassical economic theory. Or in other words, traditional economics in terms of fundamental assumptions. And please forgive me, this is going to sound a tad dry, <sighs> but it's essential to understanding where behavioral economics comes into the picture. When it comes to traditional economic theory, there are three assumptions. The first one is that people are assumed to know all possible outcomes and probabilities of a given situation. The second is that people are assumed to be able to determine and measure the satisfaction that would be received from each of those outcomes. And finally, it's assumed that people have 100% of all the relevant information to make rational decisions about those outcomes. These three fundamental assumptions help in determining either the value of an asset or are used in making a particular decision given a number of constraints and resources. In terms of the study of economics, it's an underlying premise for economic models. However, it is highly unlikely that you would ever know all possible outcomes or all levels of satisfaction you would receive or all relevant information in your financial decision-making hemisphere. 
So how do we as human beings complete those gaps? We use what is called heuristics. These are the necessary shortcuts we use in our mind to help us make choices. They come in the form of our own experiences, the influences we gain from others, and the relevant facts and opinions we discover on our own, all of which equate to leveraging emotions. And it's these behaviors and emotions, not logic, that are the predominant determinants when individuals make financial decisions. Behavioral finance can be defined as a field of economics that explores how the actual decision-making process is influenced by social, cognitive, and emotional factors, and why and how behavior does not follow the predictions of economic models. Your DNA behavior style is who you are at the core. This reflects a mapping of your inherent life perspectives and motivations that are foundationally shaping on your financial decisions. That's Hugh Massey, founder and chief empowerment officer at DNA Behavior International. Hugh, thanks for joining today's podcast. I was hoping that you could also share your insights on why we need to become more behaviorally smarter. We are a lot of the time in our own way of achieving success. In financial decision-making, events can trigger our emotional impulses to instinctively take over, which leads to the making of bad decisions. Hence, by having greater behavioral self-awareness, you can check yourself before you wreck yourself. I will also say that by knowing your identity, greater decision-making clarity will come. If you've been following Finn Wisdom, you have probably heard me say that taking the emotions out of your decision-making is not the right approach. It's how do you accommodate them. And how can we? Well, there are dozens of behaviors and biases that go into your choices, selections, and convictions when you're formulating a feeling about what is best for you. Consider those times you bought something on your credit card and it all made sense to you at the point of purchase, but when the monthly statement arrives in your inbox, you cannot help but wonder what were you thinking at the time. Or maybe it's knowing how much you can afford going into the car dealership and yet leaving with an automobile that was beyond your budget, but convinced yourself you could afford it by taking from your emergency fund or taking out a slightly larger loan payment monthly. The use of shortcuts in our mind are especially true when we're investing. How many of you have made an investment decision confident that the performance was sure to suck? Wait, what? Of course you didn't. Who would? You were probably more likely feeling confident performance was going to soar. But you have limited resources in terms of information, time, and advice to understand all the factors that would help with your decision to make that investment. Plus, you have all those unexpected risks in an industry, the market, or influential global events. In all likelihood, your investment decision was impacted on what you have experienced, your emotional reactions to what you've read or watched, the opinions of those you deem as experts, and your own personal belief system. And this is where those adult temper tantrums come into the picture. Based on our limited scope of options and resources, we leverage our emotions and opinions to derive what we believe are the best choices. Simply by growing up and becoming an adult doesn't automatically give you the ability and maturity to recognize and control those emotions, yet they play an important role in how we manage our money. Let's dive into a little history lesson about behavioral economics. 
Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky were two brilliant and curious minds who explored psychology starting in the late 1950s and early 60s. In the spring of 1969, these two met and explored cutting-edge experiments about how people learn from new information. Together, they published a series of groundbreaking and influential articles in the general field of judgment and decision-making that culminated into this establishment of prospect theory in 1979. Okay, let's talk about that. Prospect theory argues that those traditional economic assumptions mentioned earlier attempt to define rational behavior when people face uncertainty, but in reality fail to do so. There's also a terrific line at the close of Dan Ariely's trailblazing book, Predictably Irrational. He has published several other books, but I find that this one is one for the home library. Anyway, at the very end, Dan finishes his thoughts by saying, quote, Economics make a lot more sense if it were based on how people actually behave instead of how they should behave. I love that statement. I'm guessing most people don't know the term prospect theory, but some may have heard it by its other label, loss aversion. And there are three key principles at play here as well. First, that people will exhibit more risk avoidance or more risk seeking depending on the nature of the outcomes that they can choose from. Number two, the value we assign to those outcomes depends on the perceived gains and losses relative to some form of reference point or prevailing assumptions. And number three, people generally avoid risk because losses loom larger than gains in our minds. You may or may not be familiar with the following illustration I'm about to share, but I sometimes like to ask this at a party or even with my Uber or Lyft driver when traveling more lengthy distances. So, as an example, let's say you have $1,000 in your pocket today, and I present you with two choices. Choice A, I present you with a coin, and with the flip of that coin, heads, I give you another $1,000. Flip and you get tails, you'll get nothing more in return. Now choice B, there's no coin to flip. I'll just give you $500 to you right now. So which will it be? Choice A, take a chance to double your money or gain nothing. Or choice B, it's an automatic payday of $500. Okay, hold that thought because I'm going to change the scenario. Now let's say you have $2,000 in your pocket. And once again, I present you with two choices. Choice A, once again, I flip a coin. But this time, heads, you pay me $1,000. If you get heads, you don't need to pay me anything. Choice B, again, no coin flip, but this time you simply pay me $500 with no chance of losing anything more. Now, which will it be? Choice A, the risk of losing $1,000 or nothing at all. Or choice B, just pay me $500 and call it a day. When this study was conducted by Kahneman and Tversky, an overwhelming majority of participants opted for choice B in the first scenario and took that $500. The certainty of a gain of $500 outweighed the uncertainty of winning $1,000. Yet in scenario two, the overwhelming majority selected choice A to flip a coin for that possibility of losing nothing versus having to pay $500. That's because we value gains and losses differently, despite, as in this case, both scenarios were statistically the same. 
I have a personal example I'd like to share. Someone once gave me a wonderful bottle of wine, a relatively difficult to find red blend primarily made up of Cabernet Sauvignon with a little Merlot and a touch of Syrah. I think it was valued at around $200. Of course, receiving such a gift made me happy. And a week later, I went to open and enjoy this wine when due to my clumsiness, yeah, I dropped the bottle. And I can tell you that I was far more emotionally upset when that bottle shattered versus the happiness I was feeling in anticipation of drinking it. Now that you know the basics of how emotions impact your decisions, so now what? I'll get into that after this message from our sponsor. If you work for an organization that's serious about improving client relationships and engagement, want to connect with your audience motivations and recognize behavioral biases, or if you work in an HR capacity and desire qualified talent with a good cultural fit, you need to consider DNA Behavior International. DNA Behavior offers platform solutions for financial, HR, and communication professionals. And if you visit dnabehavior.com, you can take a free test that will determine your personal behavioral style. Learn how their proactive approach can take your organization to the next level. That's once again, dnabehavior.com. Welcome back. Let's talk about ways to address emotions in your financial choices. First and foremost, you can potentially reduce the impact of behavioral risks by feeding the brain with knowledge and awareness of the various heuristics and biases that you may experience, which can help improve your understanding of why you do what you do with your money. Now, as a caveat, it does not necessarily mean you will make the optimal choices with your money, but it may help you make the choice that is aligned with your behavioral tendencies and empower you with improved comprehension of the behavioral factors that you are experiencing in your own financial decision-making process. I ask at this point that you forgive me for this selfish plug, but please keep on listening to Finn Wisdom. You'll continue to learn about behaviors in an entertaining and engaging way with useful takeaways to help manage those emotions. The second step you can take, and it's not an easy one, is similar to anyone who practices meditation or mindfulness. Whenever possible, take a moment before reacting and breathe. Take a look at your feelings as if a spectator. You may have heard all that, but here's the twist. Name the feelings or emotions you are witnessing. Are you able to see how they are influencing your decisions? And if you saw these behaviors in someone else, what would be your observations? Third, thankfully in this modern age we live in, there is a plethora of useful financial tools and calculators online that are often free. And they can help you determine anything from how much house you can afford, calculate your risk tolerance level, useful budget programs to keep you focused, uh, illustrations showing ways to pay off debt quicker, and detailed reports on more publicly traded investments. And when it comes to investments, that leads me to number four. Please be wary of advice you read in social media, chat sessions, webinars, and reviews. I know sometimes it's hard to detect, but even advice and reviews can be influenced by behavior by those who present information. In addition, especially for investments, often you're reading about and chasing after yesterday's winners. 
It's why there isn't a single investment-related article out there that does not have that ever-popular disclosure. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. And lastly, when seeking professional advice, work with financial institutions and advisors who have incorporated behavioral risks as a consideration into their financial planning platforms. What you've heard are just a few broad recommendations. But as mentioned earlier, we will continue to discuss more specific and actionable steps based on various types of behaviors in each Fin Wisdom podcast. And I look forward to our continued exploration of these fascinating emotional triggers. So before you start screaming for some ice cream, take a time out and evaluate your motivations behind it. As a copyright reminder, written permission is required to use any of the content shared. Any views expressed are my own and are not the opinion of any entity unless otherwise mentioned during the program. And since we are critical thinking creatures, these opinions are subject to change. For financial advice, consider consulting a licensed financial professional. And make sure to watch your inbox for the next exciting episode of Fin Wisdom.